Hey everyone, welcome to the Magical Stories of Healing and Spiritual Gifts podcast. My name is David, here with my amazing wife, Miss Megan. Hi everyone. And we have such a special guest today. Uh, we connected a while back, uh, Mr. Wiley Gray, founding director of Veterans of War. Talk about a story of over not only overcoming uh, personal demons, and get, but using that uh, battle of uh, triumph to just make such a beautiful positive impact on the world with this movement in the world and the veteran world um he is he's i mean survived broken family foster care two deployments uh ptsd i mean the list goes on uh we love 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 how much uh is in alignment with bringing awareness and healing through these plant medicines which is such a interesting many things we're going to talk about on this podcast such an interesting world with uh, veterans and how kind of destroying the stigma of plant medicine and what it can do for healing. So Wiley, thank you so much for making time for us today. Thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, I feel like we're at an interesting crossroads right now where the desperation in the community is meeting the, the need for access. And hopefully we have some good ambassadors that are able to stand up and help people find the, the much needed healing that, that people are so desperately looking for. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. And I, I noticed, uh, you know, we connected and uh, about a couple a month or so ago, and you commented on our magical page, and you said there was a lot of similarities between your story and I think Megan, my wife, who had a just had so much trauma in her life, and you know, with we don't have as with this podcast, we we're just so interested in just talking to you and hearing your story and what you have to say. Our community, I'm we are so excited to get your story and your message to our community who we think could use. Uh, you know, your knowledge and what you're doing so much. So uh, if you don't mind, I'd love you to speak a little on what similarities you saw there. Yeah. So, well, let me take a couple steps back. I, uh, firstly, I appreciate it. Um, absolutely. I think that um, there are a few things that I think we always have to talk about when we're in the psychedelic community. Um, the, the first is how important it is uh, to understand that there's a lot of work that you need to do when you do a psychedelic, when, you, when you're having access to plant medicines. It's not just a miraculous healing. It's, it's, a, it's a process where you're working in tandem with another uh, very sentient organism. Um, so rather than it being like the clinical model where this is the thing that is bothering you, here's the pill that puts it away, call me in the morning, it's interactive. Um, and, I, and I think that's an important part of the process. I think a lot of people get hung up on the, on the miracle cure, but forget the work that, that is necessitated on the front and back end. Uh, so that's the first thing I'd say. And then the second thing I would say is I, I feel very lucky. Like, you know, you read that list of things that, that I've survived. Um, there are people that I'm connected to that have had life so much worse in every aspect of everything that you just mentioned. I'm here today with my fingers and toes. Um, my deployments weren't nearly as rough as some people's. I'm here today to talk, for example. That already puts me in a different category uh, than some people that unfortunately aren't able to. Uh, the need for what I do is, is absolutely paramount. Um, it couldn't be more prescient. We lose 20 veterans a day to <clears throat> a preventable outcome, uh, to a statistic that I was almost a part of. Uh, that's really the reason why I talk about it. Uh, I, I don't think that I'm you know, some gifted person or some sort of a superhero to overcome trauma. I, I think that I had my share of trauma and I was very fortunate to have people around me and, and the wherewithal to be able to search for good information to find ways to safely and effectively come back from trauma. Uh, and that's really what I offer to veterans. Um, you know, the, the way that most people visit me is, is out of a sense of, as I said earlier, desperation. 
they've tried everything else. I mean, I remember going to talk therapy and group therapy. I've been involved with equine therapy, adventure therapy. Uh, I mean, you name it, I've tried to get better with it. Um, but the sad reality is, is the efficacy simply wasn't there. Whenever I was away from each of these modalities, my trauma would re-manifest. I would be anxious again. I would be scared. I would, you know, have insomnia. Um, and only through my journeys with plant medicine have I found any real measure of, of reconnection and the ability to, to truly not, not just, you know, be okay, not, not just to, uh, you know, keep living and keep paying my mortgage, but to thrive, to come back and to actively want to connect and want to change things. Uh, so the impetus for, for Veterans of War was this idea of if this is so powerful for me, um, how many of your veteran uh, peers could benefit from it? And if they were to need to benefit from it, what needs to be in place so that they can have the best possible chance at long-term positive outcomes? Uh, and that's, that's really the framework for the Veterans of War six-month fellowship. Um, you asked about, you know, how these stories were connected. Um, I think that everybody that, that, you know, has one of these journeys is connected. I think that once you go beyond the veil, so to speak, uh, and you start to see the um, unbound connectivity between all of us, it becomes very, very hard to focus, for example, on just your specific version of your own trauma. Um, there's plenty of trauma to go around. That's, that's just a part of being human. It's not, it's not a part of being a veteran. It's not a part of being a man or a woman or a Christian or a Muslim. It's a part of being a human. So it's never been more, um, I, I think, important to find safe and effective ways to overcome trauma than it is today, when literally the whole world is reeling from something that we can't control. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, plant medicine, I mean, it has been so profound in my experience because like you, I had tried everything. I've been to psychiatrists, been to psychologists, I've been to Christian counselors. I mean, you name it, I did it. I did all conventional ways. That didn't work, obviously, you know? And of course they all, like you said, they want to push antidepressants, you know, Xanax. I was on Xanax for 20 years because of a doctor and all it did was like, I realized once, thank God to him, I was able to get off of it. I, everything, that's where ayahuasca came to play because everything hit me in the face. And it was just like, oh my gosh, is this how I would have felt the last 20 years? And it was crazy. And that's not to say that like Western medicine doesn't have its place. I think it's incredibly important that we integrate these uh, modalities with the existing uh, mental health care models where we can. Um, I'm not sure how ayahuasca fits that narrative, if it does at all. <laughs> yeah. I, I think taking ayahuasca out of its setting um, will necessarily change its set. Um, I agree. And yeah. so, and that's honestly one of the reasons why we work with ayahuasca predominantly at this point with veterans of war. It's not because it's the only thing that's effective. Uh, there, there are a few reasons. It, it, it actually is one of the only ones that has the ability to help you recover memories that you might have purposely mm. forgotten. Yes. Uh, right. And, and, you know, when we talk about trauma, this is one of those real connections. Our trauma goes back to our childhood. It's, it's, it's not just for me, the, the Marines, you know, it, it's foster care. It's, it's, it's abandonment. It's, uh, you know, am I good enough? Right. Um, it, it's, it comes, it goes all the way back. And these feelings of security are tied into all of them. It's no question why I joined the Marines. I needed to find a way to protect myself and protect those I cared about. Well, and you probably uh, suppressed yeah. trauma as a child for protecting yourself as well. 
And, and that's, that's, what, that's the connection. That's what I was saying. I'm sure both of us can share that very, yeah. very um, And, you know, it's very hard to, uh, ayahuasca has a very low traffic ability, um, uh, I guess, worry to it. Uh, it's not, it's not pleasant. You're going to be vomiting and, and, and shitting your pants potentially. And, um, you know, if, if vomiting spiders and shitting rainbows sounds pleasant to you, um, then this is a great time. Enjoy four hours of, of your heaven on earth. But most people tend to have to go through a, a quite a bit of darkness uh, before they even get to the purge side of it. And then when you actually do purge, it's welcomed. I mean, I, I, I love to vomit when I'm there. Talking about it sounds crazy, right? <laughs> um, but you're waiting for it. You're like, oh my God, because it's usually tied to some sort of, you know, some trial that you're going through in your heart or in your, in your soul. Um, they're connected to memories. You don't just purge randomly. I think that's one of the things other people right. think. Um, your, your purging is very timed to your journey. Uh, you really purge the thing that you were experiencing in that moment. Um, and uh, I, I think that's a really interesting process. The other thing I think that's super interesting about it, um, a little bit off topic though, is how it seems like we, certain people seem to have very similar experiences. Like you visit some of the same entities um, mm -hmm. uh, or you're in the same situation. And that to me, um, you know, it goes back to Terrence McKenna calling this a technology. Oh, I love um, Terrence McKenna. And it is, you know, this is kind of a, a technology to access these other dimensions or realms. You know, I'm not going to put judgment or, or, or define the words of where you go, because I think that's different for everybody. I think that that's part of the journey is coming to terms with what that is. Um, but I, 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 one thing I've said uh, quite a few times is I've, I've gone into ceremony with atheists, but I've never come out with one. <laughs> that's uh, so true that's very so, difficult uh, yeah we have a, I, we, we got a book called the uh, it's weird how it divinely came to us called the psychedelic gospel and we oh, just started reading. so we just started we're like just starting it and it's talking about how like there are actually things about plant medicine and psychedelic throughout the but now a lot of it was taken out that's a whole other right but, but but the iconography like like yeah. the ecstatic state that a lot of these you know um saints have talked about there's there's compelling evidence in that book that that could have been from psychedelics and it goes back to the you know the stoned ape theory too like how did we yeah. get so smart? um well maybe it's because of psilocybin maybe it's because we got out of the trees and started looking around maybe that's the origin of the uh you know the adam and eve story altogether it's it's a way to mythologize the idea that we ate something and it changed the way we saw the world Wow. wow. Ah, I, love I got that. chills, man. Um, I got a little bit, just a little bit separate question that just came to me. It's a little personal on my part, but, um, right. you know, love my dad to death. He's an incredible human. Unfortunately, we haven't spoken about five years because of uh, whole psychedelics things. He's heavily, heavily conditioned, not down, down talking him at all. Um, you know, he's in the Marine Corps. Oh, for many years. I understand. Yeah, he's Marine Corps for many years, did multiple deployments, very, uh, very, very conditioned and heard. I was, I was part of the psychedelic movement. Mushrooms. Mushrooms specifically, he thinks it's bad as heroin. My, I guess my question to you where I'm going with that is, man, in my heart, as many, especially you're talking with Joel and many of these people, and especially you with this movement of helping veterans specifically, how do you, have you run into, which I'm sure you haven't, how do you overcome such, out of all the people that I feel are conditioned and indoctrinated, um, how do you deal with such heavy stigma with someone that you know it could help so much, but they're so convinced it's this 
evil you can't force it thing. like how do you go about that and in your in your world i feel like you have to deal with that always this is this is a huge part of my job i mean my outreach calls are the first 30 minutes of any of my outreach calls uh invariably is education Mm. Um, they don't know what I'm talking about. They don't know the scientific back background for it. They don't even know the cultural background for it, which is mm. ayahuasca specifically has been literally used with humanity parallel to our, to our cultures and as part of our cultures for millennia. Um, the simple answer is you don't. Mm. Um, you just don't. You have to understand that uh, everything happens on time. Like mm. when, when you bring that, if you can bring information without the necessary impetus of changing a mind, if you just bring mm -hmm. the information because you know it has value and you lay it on the table, that's a much stronger statement than forcing somebody to take that and, and eat it, right? Yeah. So for me, the, I'm, I realize outright that there's some people I'm just not going to be able to change. They're not yeah. in that place where they are even receptive to the message, let alone would they right. want to hear that message necessarily, even if they were. Right. So take that out of the equation. Um, here's the efficacy here here are the scientific studies that prove what i'm saying this isn't an opinion if you're still interested i can give you some anecdotal evidence this is where i come from this is my story um and i've just got to hope on the back end that those other slivers of consciousness that i know now are me also um <laughs> that that they when their time is right find access where they need it which if it if i've done my job could even be me um so ultimately I, I think that you have to take your own ego out of the equation um you have to lay it on the table and say this is what works check it out if you want to and boy boy that's easy to say and hard to do yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow that was beautifully worded man slivers of but consciousness it's true. They have, awesome. the person yeah, has so to be open yeah you know they have to be open you're planting seeds you know right. a lot of people will say that in the psychedelic community that like the message will resonate if it's your time well i've talked mm -hmm. to thousands of veterans in my life um but i've only gotten tens or hundreds of veterans interested in doing this extreme out-of-the-box solution um yeah. and why is that um well they, they'll come when it's time to come, you know, that's it. You know, you're going to, you, you, you blow the trumpet in the wind and your followers will come when it's their time. You just mm -hmm. keep blowing. You got to be, you got to know in your heart and in your head, you're doing it for the right reasons. And the people that need to hear your message will hear your message. And that's so true because I think even a year prior to my ayahuasca experience, if you would have approached me about, I, I definitely would have been like, hell to the no, like yeah, not right. doing it, yeah. would not have done it because I was still even working on like my mindset and reprogramming my mind just from other things and learning how manifestation and everything, how universal laws work. And, and it wasn't until I started learning those things that I think that I was even able to just mentally even be in a place where I could be open to have that healing with ayahuasca. So I do think it's all about divine timing. I do. Yeah. No one's late. Time is a construct. You're never late for anything. You're always right on time. Man, that is just, oh, man, I'm just such a fan of psychology and the mind. And what I love about just the way you explain things, there's this deep subconscious psychological foundation of faith that you have uh, that is, I think, one of the most underrated things you can have in this life and what we create like this this foundation of faith of knowing that it's all happening on time like you know you're in the right place at the right time it's all supposed to happen and i think that's something too that i never really had until i really started uh in a in a very more a sacred respectful way experimenting with these medicines you know i think that's a really important part i think that you know 
I get, I get the response, um, you know, this changed my life. Well, yeah, you were doing drugs in the woods. Of course you did. Um, that's a very easy response. And, and I would be, you know, if I don't at least admit that there's some validity to that viewpoint, then I'm not doing myself credit because I'm not able to fight it, right? Um, all right, I understand that that might be how you feel about it, um, comma, what if it's more than that, right? Um, and, and again, being able to say and take your ego off the table is like, that's an easy statement, but I have people in my life right now that I would desperately love to have this experience. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah, no, no. But the reality is, is me pushing them into that experience before they're ready to it might be disastrous. Right. Um, you, again, you have to be in a way like the gardener, you know, the gardener doesn't yell at the soil. He plants the seed and walks away and waters it and understands that it will grow. Like, oh, what's that timestamp? That was freaking perfect. That statement was amazing. Huh? I want to use that clip. That was just so good. That was so beautiful, man. I've never heard that. Uh, but man, that, just made that, it up. <laughs> that was absolute freaking gold. Put that in your book, your next book, man. That was, that was great. Yeah, I'm writing a book next year. Oh. The reason I'm not doing that now is uh, I've got a full load at Georgetown University. Uh, my my mother-in-law is dealing with cancer, mm. and um, you know life is is hard for everybody right now. Don't don't let this suit and and some clean words uh, distract you from the fact that I'm also a human being and, and I'm struggling like everyone else. Yeah. Um, it's tough out there right now. Yeah, uh, it's never been more important to love yourself and have empathy for others. That's mm. that's really the most important thing. If I could get anything out of this podcast today. Um, walk away and love yourself a bit. Um, mm -hmm. Remember that you're okay. And, and, you know, what it is now is not how it will ever uh, always be. It will always change. The only constant is going to be change. Right. So, so remember that. And, and it's a lot easier to roll with the waves, right? Yeah. That's right. Well, Mick, could you if, tell, our, tell our audience, I mean, if you don't mind, just going into your story, how are you led to plant medicine from uh, your time in the Marine Corps to plant medicine? Trauma, 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 trauma. Um, I, I've had a fairly dynamic life. Um, I, when I got out of the, the Marines, I, I thought I was okay. Um, like I bet most veterans feel like when you get out, it's really hard to see yourself in the mirror as a, anything other than this image you've built up. Um, but I had a really, a very real moment where um, I came back from school one day and my ex-wife um, was in the kitchen and, and my little brother was there and, and he'd eaten all the bananas. It was like something fairly tiny and inconsequential. And I went off like he had, you know, insulted my mother or something. Mm. I was so angry. Mm. And I remember I picked up the, the wooden bowl that held all of our fruits and I threw it at the wall. And then we had a, a mirrored wall there and it shattered. And I literally had that Michael Jackson man in the mirror moment where I saw myself in the reflection and all the shattered glass. And I didn't know who I was. I didn't say a word. I turned around. I went straight to the VA. Uh, and that was 2009. I was about a year after I got out of the Marines. And um, I basically said at the VA, I was like, I just feel like I can't control myself. I might be a danger to myself. I might be a danger to others. I, I, I get this rage that I just can't contain. Um, and I was like, and it, it doesn't feel normal. I'm not sleeping. I'm not, you know, everything is setting me off. I, I, my anxiety is through the roof. I'm constantly checking, you know, where are the doors, where are the windows, who's standing, who could be a threat? Does that person have a knife? You know, like I'm constantly assessing the situation and that constant state of hyper arousal is absolutely exhausting. 
uh, and you couple that without sleep and suddenly it's like, you know, you're a nerve exposed in the wind, right? Everything is rubbing you the wrong way. Mm. Um, I am resonating with all of that to a T. Wow. Except for, you know, obviously not looking at, you know, windows and such, but man, I feel for you. I, I feel you on such a deep level now. It's hard. I mean, that's all I'm trying to say in the end is like, I was dealing with a lot of mental things that weren't projected on paper. On paper, I looked fantastic. I mean, on right. paper, boy, you could hire that guy any day of the week. But in reality, I was struggling to do basic tasks. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, uh, at first it, it started with, I, I think, a YouTube video, Dr. Rick Strassman's um, The Spirit Molecule. Uh, that's what mm -hmm. I found. And uh, Joe Rogan was the, um, the, the MC for that documentary. And I was looking at some of his stand-up or something, and it led me to it. And so I, I watched that and just like, you know, other times in your life where you just, the hair starts standing up on your arms. Like I knew there's a connection here and I needed to know more. So I started researching and uh, I, I researched uh, psychedelics, DMT, um, connectivity in your brain, some of the physical manifestations of how PTSD actually works in your brain, like how your brain has changed from the chemistry it was before and now post-trauma. Um, and the VA at that point uh, had basically told me, this is your new reality. You're just going to have to get used to it. We can medicate you uh, to make you feel normal. Uh, but the second you stop taking that medication, you're going to revert back, which told me outright, just as, just as an, intrinsically as a healer, like that you haven't affected the trauma at all. Right. Like, all you keep doing is bandaging over a bleeding wound and it's still bleeding. Like that's the second you take, you know, as well as I do, when you put, you know, Neosporin and a Band-Aid on, your expectation is in a couple of days, that wound will be closed, right? That's not the model for healthcare right now. Um, and there's no incentive for it to be. There's a lot of money tied into you continuing to have these symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I simply, I didn't take, I didn't take that answer. I, you know, I was not satisfied with this is your new reality. So I kept studying. Mm -hmm. um, it, it took an incredible amount of trauma for me to get over my fear of going on the, the actual journey. That's the other part that I think is a travesty about the entire situation. How many of my friends have I had to bury since I got out in 2008 that could have been saved, that could have at least had an option of, of, of having a different life, but were barred from it because of the stigma, mm -hmm. barred from it. Um, didn't even have access to the information at, at all. Mm. Um, so, it took, it took a miscarriage for, for the entire world to fall out and what last vestiges of, of solid, like solid land in my mind, once those crumbled, I just, again, I felt like if, if I don't change something, I, I'm done. I just can't do this anymore. Um, I can take all this trauma, but you, now you're hurting my family and I can't be okay with that. I don't know how to be okay with that. And that's what my soul was screaming again and again. And, um, Finally, I was like, I said to my wife, I was like, I, I just, I'm going to buy a ticket and go to Peru. And she's like, are you going with somebody? You don't even speak Spanish. And I was like, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to figure wow. it out. Wow. And then uh, I basically took like a dark ops, you know, journey to Iquitos. I didn't know what I didn't know. I only knew what my hopes were. Um, and I ended up at a place that was uh, later I realized was absolutely a horrible decision, um, a very dark energy worker, incredibly powerful experience without a doubt, um, but dangerous. 
dangerous to my soul. And I could feel that. I knew it. I, again, like I, I, one of those people that I, I feel like I'm a very old soul. Like I, I I've been there. And I realize in some ways that I'm coming back and, and I'll be here again. And for whatever reason, whenever I'm in the, the, the medicine, um, I'm really comfortable. And that's weird. Like most people aren't really. Wow. No. I know exactly how to move. I know how I can react in those spaces. I know how to protect myself, it seems like, just instinctually. Wow. Um, so I did. I had to a few times. And then wow. I learned later after, again, like what the hell happened? Like reading about it, trying to take it apart. Um, you know, one of the things that I learned from the Shuar people was that um, there are basically two kinds of, of people in the medicine. You have somebody that's intrinsically going to be a healer and somebody that's intrinsically going to be a sorcerer. This is way more mystical than I intended on going with this. Yeah. I no, I've it. heard this. I I've heard it. this. So, so they start at the same place. That's the thing that has to, you have to understand. It's not like black and white. Like it's very much a gray area. And your ability to choose one or the other comes with your ability to have restraint or self-control. When, you, when you're in this area, you can either react in uh, an aggressive way or react in a defensive way. So my natural response when I felt threatened was to like protect myself and the people around me with a bubble of pure love and light. Like I willed it into existence and I was positive it was there and it would stay there as long as I, as I needed it. Um, and I could see it like, like a literal, like, like a force field. Um, and at that moment, and it was exhausting. Like holding it was exhausting. Keeping it was exhausting. Like every moment I had to like concentrate on that it was there and knowing that it was there despite the assaults. Um, and then that next morning as you know, the sun came up and I heard the roosters, uh, my only thought was, I got to get the hell out of here. That shit was dangerous. Like, I, I, I've gone to a lot of places that I felt danger for my physical person. But that's the first time I felt in danger for my soul. Mm. And uh, so oh I literally, God. I left. I left and I was terrified. I didn't come back to Peru for two years. Um, but I always knew ayahuasca is still ayahuasca, despite the situation. Um, and, and even when I encountered her later, uh, you know, it was like seeing a familiar writing, right? Like maybe it was cursive now, whereas before it was block script, but I understood this was the same author. Um, huh. And it was really about the facilitator, about the shaman himself. Mm -hmm. It was about being in balance and knowing what you're offering as opposed to feeling like you're entitled to something or that there's some sort of respect or honor that you're not being paid. Um, he was the first shaman was very money based. The second shaman, um, I, in fact, to even test him, I, I, I told him I couldn't pay him. And he was like, Oh, that's fine. You can just pay me whenever you need to. Whenever you come across some money, you can send it to me if it's, if it's convenient. So of course I paid him all at once and everything. I had the money. About that. <laughs> that's it was awesome. about where's your heart? Like yeah. what's, what's your motivation? Um, yeah. and that's the shaman that we use with veterans of war today. Oh, but I would have not had like I wouldn't have known what to look for if I hadn't had those bad experiences I wouldn't have known that it's part of my responsibility to protect the people I go there and the way I do that is through ensuring that the people I work with have the right intentions that's a huge important aspect but I didn't know that until I was put in a position where that was not the case so yeah, I look at it now and I'm like, yeah, well, I'm I surprised you did it again. I, I need experience. Well, my soul didn't join the, 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 the Coast Guard. 
right? I joined the Marine <laughs> I, I didn't start out with a family. I, I started out with foster care. Like, I, there's yeah. part of me that sort of just gets that my heart and my soul wants life on hard mode. I'm exhausted <laughs> by it. But, but I realized that seems to be a part of my journey. And, and one of the things that I learned in ayahuasca is it is incredibly critical for my growth to understand the other side. Like mm. to be able to be that bridge between yeah. the trauma and the, yeah. and the potential healing. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's an incredibly difficult position to be in sometimes, but I'm glad that I'm there. Because uh, I look around and, and some people uh, maybe would make different choices. Not that mine are all great. I make a lot of mistakes too. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I'm, I'm doing it for the right reasons. Like I'm looking out for others and I'm trying to make sure that their experience is not what I had to endure, and instead is what we as a as a as a people can actually expect is is access to our birthright. Well, that's amazing. Have you experienced um, like anything other than ayahuasca and the psychedelic world that's been really profound and healing for you? I started out with LSD um, because obviously you can get access to that fairly easily yeah. in the United States. Um, and that's what led me to ayahuasca, honestly. Like I was, I, the moment I was sitting in my room, uh, again, no sitters, no training, no, I just got some drugs and I'm gonna do some oh drugs. <laughs> um, and I was sitting, uh, writing a journal. I was fascinated by some of the journals that I had you know, seen from the 60s and 70s where the CIA were you know, experimenting on people. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the, this association, the way that like, people's uh could, could take apart lines and things would melt i was really i thought that was really fascinating i was waiting for that what i found instead was i was trying to write my child's name again and again i get like emotional even talking about this and instead of being able to i just kept drawing a straight line like the heartbeat monitor when we found out that we mm. lost our kid and i oh. was furious like i was crying very real from my soul tears like why just draw his name, just draw his name. He's real, he's a real person. Um, and I couldn't. Mm. And as I sat there crying over you know, my journal, I was like, I have to go deeper. And that was, mm. that was the night that I said to my wife, I said, I'm going to Peru. I'm, I'm, gonna, wow. I'm gonna go and try this ayahuasca thing. And she is very Catholic, she was terrified. Mm. Um, and she was right. <laughs> I got myself into a very dangerous situation. Um, I'm, I'm glad that for whatever reason, I was able to, you know, walk out of it. Um, but yeah, I think this is why we need to have more information. It's why we need to have education. It's why we need to have respectable institutions that can give you access to other respectable institutions so that people can actually use this for the good. Um, anytime something is powerful, you're going to have charlatans. That's, that's anything uh, in the world. You're going to have people that are there for, for their own benefit as opposed to the benefit of the whole. Um, dodging I, those people can be difficult. And how, so after your He's second so ceremony, you got that healing. Oh, third, what happened after that? Third. third. Okay. The first ceremony was kind of uh, showing me where, you know, my darkness was. Mm. Um, another thing to bring up is the, the Brujo shaman that I went to that first time. Um, he used three different types of ayahuasca. This, I don't know how knowledgeable you are with ayahuasca, but just like marijuana, uh, there's strains, right? Mm -hmm. There's strains of ayahuasca and they all have names and they mm -hmm. have particular, just like indica and sativa have yeah. different uh, properties on your body. Ayahuasca has different strains that have different journeys. 
Um, and one of the harder ones, at least one of the ones that's supposed to take you more into the darker realms is called mm -hmm. black ayahuasca. Um, that one so I that, had. <laughs> usually if you went to, oh. in Iquitos, you would usually get Cielo, which is called Sky Ayahuasca. That's the typical Shipibo um, route. And they saw that as like a ladder. That's why it's, you know, the vine of souls. It was a ladder into uh, the, the, the cosmos to talk to your, you know, whether they were your ancestors or your yeah. helper spirits. But Sky is what that was called indigenously. So Cielo. And that's what most people get. So we started out, the first one was Cielo, and then the second one was Black. Um, and the experience there was, was again, just, it's just terrifying. I mean, that's yeah. where I died. That's yeah. where, um, you know, your ego death is, is a, it's always very personal. Like it's, it's uh, whatever you're afraid of, however you define your loss of person, um, I feel like that's what, how it manifests. So for me, um, I was anthropomorphized. I was like a, um, a fox and I was in this verdant green field and I never felt more free. I remember I could wow. like feel my ears moving on my head and responding to sound. Wow. And I was like, wow. like, I was finally like in my real form. Like, again, I felt like this was a, like somehow I stuffed my soul into Wiley Gray. And, it never <laughs> quite wow. and so in this space, I, I was I was just whatever I am, right? However that was, and I was so free. And I remember I was mischievous, and I and I and I was jumping around, and I, I wasn't destroying anything. I was playing with things, and I reveled in my own like uh, cunning and, and my ability to to move. And then immediately across my eyes, um, spider webs, and I started getting like sucked down and I could feel that there was this giant spider just out of my periphery that I couldn't see and that I was slowly going to be eaten. And I tried everything. Like I was using every bit of guile to try to get out of the trap, but just how you know in that space, there's no getting out. Like I knew it uh, in my heart. Like this is it. You're going to die in a few minutes. You're going to die. And every breath I took, I would get closer to the ground as it tightened like a boa constrictor. And it became like physically, my chest was tight. And I was like, oh my God, I can't even breathe. And I knew like, you're getting close. This is gonna happen in just a minute. Are you okay with this? This is happening. There's no way out. You're gonna die now. And oh. for whatever reason, like in that very moment, I started counting off all the shitty places I'd been in my life. I was like, well, you didn't die in Yemen. You didn't die in Bosnia, you didn't die in Afghanistan. I guess, you know, the floor of a hut in Peru, that's what got you. And I started laughing. And I just accepted it. I was like, this is it. And the second I did, it all went away. And I went straight. Wow, because you let it go. Yeah, wow. I've seen people fight, though. Um, cool. You're going to get the lesson. You're going to get the lesson. Cool. And if you don't listen to the way it's presented to you the first time, if you're not able to surrender and integrate, um, it's going to get harder. Um, mm, yeah. So I feel very lucky. Again, like for whatever reason, my response to it was just to laugh and say this, so be it. If this is <laughs> it, this is it. Um, and, you know, that's a, I, 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 right now in the fellowship, I, one of my main goals is to teach the veterans how to surrender. And that's an interesting word to a veteran. You never surrender. It's a loaded oh, word. Yeah. Um, and I have to let them understand that surrendering doesn't mean giving up. Surrendering means being okay with going in the direction it's already going. 
Um, and that's a small change, but again, it's all about framework, right? It's about how you queue up that video to somebody. So it either promotes fear or it promotes, you know, uncertainty maybe at best. Right. Um, and I'm okay with uncertainty, but I, but I want to steer out of fear if possible. Yeah. Wow. Especially in the concept of control. We're like, so conditioned to always have control of everything in our lives. So this, you know, going into, especially any kind of psychedelic, but especially ayahuasca, the surrender aspect is so important. So going from someone that has been told (laughs) you need to have control all the time to fully surrendering is such a difficult journey. Like telling somebody about guns and shooting somebody are completely different. Yeah. Yeah. You're just going to have a different, uh, you know, you're, you're, one of them is, is knowledge and the other one's experiential. One of them has a scent and a sound and a timestamp. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I say to the veterans, I'm like, you know, you're not, I, I can't possibly tell you what you're going to encounter, but no. I can tell you that you're going to have some darkness and I would encourage yeah. you to try to learn from the lessons being shown and yeah. to try to walk into the current and go with it. Because if you fight the current, you're going to end up like a salmon trying to spawn upstream. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to make any progress, and yeah. it's going to be painful. Oh yeah, I, mean, I felt like I had I felt like I had no option but to surrender. But yeah. I don't know. I think that might have been more of the five meo DMT. It right. seemed like that was what what really did that for me. Um, have, what about, so we've had a lot of conversations with people um, in this veteran world. Um, around ketamine are you familiar with what ketamine does and if you disassociative yeah have you found that to be um healing and helpful um for veterans this is really interesting this is something i was just talking about a couple days ago actually with somebody that runs a ketamine clinic in utah um firstly we work with ayahuasca right but we i don't say we work with ayahuasca on the website i don't say that anywhere other than when people start getting into the programming um, I think that all psychedelics, you know, this is like a pharmacy. It's an ancient pharmacy, right? And there are applicable psychedelics for some of the applicable maladies or traumas that you deal with. It's not a one size fits all. Um, right. Just like you wouldn't take Tylenol if, you know, you have hemorrhaging inside. Like it doesn't right. make sense. It's not the right, it's not the right thing. Um, so I, I think that, you know, finding where to use these specific medicines is incredibly important and for me the way that i understand it and i have not i'm going to preface this i have not had any experience personally with ketamine it's all anecdotal um but the way that i understand it is um you know it's used on battlefields today uh as uh basically a pain reliever and the reason it works is because it's a disassociative because it's able to separate your body from the trauma it's experiencing and if it's given when that trauma happens, it has a prophylactic effect towards the common symptomology that would ha- result in your brain that would indicate PTSD, um, which is amazing. But how do you how do you <laughs> how do you always give someone a psychedelic when they're having their trauma? It's, right. It's an right. right. Yeah. So the what what it really I think is good for is um, it's a stabilizer. I think if somebody, like for example, with my program, it's three phases. The first two phases, or the first phase is two months, and it's based on education and preparation. All I'm trying to do is get you ready for what you're about to feel, right? And, and understand your tools when you're in that area. Um, but that takes two months. That's two months of, of biweekly calls and guided group therapy. Um, what if someone's having a crisis that very moment? What if they don't have two months to prepare, right? 
Well, right. this is where ketamine makes a lot of sense. You can give somebody a shot and for the next two months, month and a half, two months or so, um, they're not going to have any of those feelings of anxiety or, or depression. It's literally like in some, if used correctly, in some respects, it's like a miracle. Like mm -hmm. it, the second you put it in someone's body, they feel better mm -hmm. about themselves, about the world. So uh, if used, for example, as, pre as a preparatory measure in even my program, I think it would have an incredible amount of efficacy. Um, yeah. Iboga, like this yeah. is yes. necessarily something that is for everyone. It's incredibly taxing on the body. But if the thing that you're having problems with is already incredibly taxing on the body and it's just a draw as a, in terms of whether or not this is going to be dangerous, um, it's showing that it's incredibly effective at ceasing chemical addiction. Yeah. Um, so like if you, for example, are, are hooked on meth or hooked on yeah. whatever, heroin, cocaine, um, you can go and potentially have Ibogaine uh, one time. Yeah. And immediately quit no no withdrawals your body is just done with it well that's amazing that's that's a crazy that's a crazy thing to sell to somebody that's suffering right. from a lifetime of addiction yeah um, but it's easy to say these stories and what we're not talking about is the hard 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 work of integrating yes. new reality um so often we talk about how the potential the potential is important but just like the potential of this being a good or a bad trip, to use the, the, the common lingo, um, the, the potential also needs to be looked at in terms of how can we potentially prop up these long-term positive outcomes. And yep. the only way to do that is to have a support structure that understands the journey and at the same time is invested in supporting you on that journey. Um, that's huge. You've got to peers. That's the, that's the last part of the fellowship. So phase one, Again, two months of, of education and preparation. Phase two, you're going to the medicine. It's the workshop. I never call it a retreat. You're not retreating from anything. You're going to do some work, and that's important. Um, so you go to the workshop. It's 10 days. They'll have four opportunities to, to take ayahuasca, should they choose to, uh, in a safe and secure setting. And then after that, after that workshop phase, phase three starts, which is the bulk of the fellowship, four months out of the six months, are spent on wow. and support. Wow, that's so incredible. The, again, like 66% of the fellowship is the back end. It's after the medicine. And anybody wow. that's worth their salt in this game will tell you that, you know, the medicine's important, right? The medicine's incredibly important, but the work stops when the medicine stops, right? Right. Like, the work starts when the medicine stops, sorry. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you, you got to just getting the medicines half, half the equation. You gotta have life around that built so that it can support this new reality. Wow. I mean, what? I agree with that. Cause you know, where we went, they didn't offer integration, but luckily we had Most access. Yeah, but luckily we were aware of what, what we needed to do for integration, you know? But I mean, so that's huge that you do that for people. Cause a lot of people they'll think that they like, you know, had profound healing and then month later, they go, you know, well, they go back home, they go back into the way things, you know, were already before. And then they think that they've taken all these steps backwards. They're like, oh my God, here I am anxiety again, this and that again, because they did not do the integration. They didn't do the work. After. I like to say that you're suffering from premature enlightenment. <laughs> you have to, what, what you saw was a version of what could be. And now you, it's yeah. up to you to do the work to keep that version alive. Mm. Wow. That's so That's good. a good way to put that.
Well, man, where to, um, t- t- bring us up to speed on what you're doing now. That's, that's I mean, so Veterans awesome. of War has um, something I'm really proud of that we're doing um, is that we're directly trying to perform outreach to the indigenous people in the Amazon basin. Um, mm. They're being disproportionately affected by both COVID-19 and an outbreak of dengue fever. Mm. Their entire medical complex outside of Iquitos has collapsed. Um, oh. And, uh, you know, they would traditionally subsist off of the money they make from foreigners and their ability to go to the local market. Well, now there's no foreigners and the market is closed. So people are dying in the street. People are eating mm. trash. And these were the wardens that, that kept this tradition alive so that people like me could even have access to it. So I feel a tremendous amount of responsibility to ensure that their livelihood is protected. So if you go to veteransofwar.org backslash tree branch, um, you can donate directly to giving them food and medical supplies uh, that are much, much needed in order to keep their traditions alive. Well, we will be dropping a link for anyone listening to this on our, uh, on our Magical page and our group page will be dropping a link when we post this to make it very easy for you to do that. And yeah, Magical will definitely be making a donation on our part too. That's, that's, thank you so much for that. That's, that needs to happen 100%. We wouldn't be here if not for their, uh, those traditions. I mean, we yeah. wouldn't even know about it. That's right. That's right. Well, man, Wiley, this has just been an incredible, incredible time talking to you. Thank you so, so much for your time, your story, your insights. I cannot wait for that book. I know you still got you got a lot going on right now. Well, you know, you just had Tucker Max on a couple of uh, <laughs> a couple of uh, episodes ago. I'm actually I'm going to be working with their company. So, oh, great, oh, awesome! Cool. Tucker was so cool to have yeah, on. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he, he's, he's an amazing dude. He's, uh, he's grown a lot since the frat oh, tired days. He's, he's so <laughs> real. He's so real. He just tells it like it is. Um, yeah, he definitely does. That's really cool. <laughs> you work with Scribe is the name of the company, right? Yeah, Scribe. Cool. Fantastic yeah. company. Awesome. Well, thanks again for giving us your time. We're going to link uh, all those links uh, to everywhere we're going to be publishing this here in a couple weeks. The sure. one, thing we, one thing we ask every person that's ever on our podcast before they leave is if you could leave the world with one message, what would that be? Love yourself. Yes, I love that. I love if that. you love yourself, it's much easier to love others. So mm. true. So That's freaking so. true. Can I uh, pop a couple plugs in? Veteransofwar.org yes. slash tree branch. Uh, I try to make my slugs really easy to remember. And Good. if you're on that veteransofwarwebsite.org, um, you know, check out the research slash research. Uh, the things that I talk about are very easily um, put in the right context with science. Um, but science can be kind of boring. I like talking about the mystical side of it. Yeah, me too. I love it. Thank you so much, Wiley. Again, we're going to link. Um, I'll get all the links from you, and we publish this. We'll put the very make it very easy for people to find these links too. Yes. Thank you guys. Thank you for the work. Thank that you're you're doing, so much man. for the work you're doing. Keep it up. Keep Appreciate fighting the good fight. The truth, as hard as it is, you are helping so many people, making so many ripples. Thank you so much, Wiley. Yeah. Happy healing, everyone. Happy Have healing. a great day. Thank you. Bye. Bye.